Hello and welcome to this message from the room. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the If you have your Bibles, we're going to continue our series this morning, Encountering Jesus. We believe that 2019 is a year of encounter that God is wanting to meet with you. That God has been speaking to us. He has been speaking to us a lot over the past few weeks prior to even the first of the year and really declaring that He is going to release His Spirit upon the church. And man, we want to be a part of what God is doing. We are a part of what God is doing. Let's say that together. I am a part of what God is doing. I'm a part of that. I'm a part of that. You're a part of that. And we declare that in this place. Our series text is found in Jeremiah 29 and 12. It says, Then you will call upon me and go pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Why are we fasting? Why are we coming into this house this morning? Because we want to find Jesus Christ. We want to connect with Him because we know He has the power to change everything. He has the power to make things different in my life. Over the last two weeks... God has really been challenging us with His Word. And I want to encourage you to go back. If you've missed some of those messages, go back, listen to those messages. We make them available on our website, theriverag.com. And you can listen to those. Also post them again each week on Facebook. So share them with others. If you need them in another format, please let me know and we'll do our best to get that to you. But today I want to take you to Mark chapter 2 and preach to you encountering Jesus together, encountering Jesus together. Father, we thank you for the anointing in this place. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, heaven has been opened up in this room this morning. And God, we come with a great expectation for what you are going to do and speak and say in this place today. Lord, we have attentive ears. We are listening for what you are speaking to our lives, God. And we are ready to not only hear your word, but respond to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 2, turn there with me. Mark chapter 2, we're going to pick up a story there in verse 1. It says, And again he entered Capernaum, and after some days it was heard that Jesus was in the house, that He was in the house. Listen to me this morning, church. Jesus is in the house. I said, I said, Jesus is in the house this morning. Jesus is alive and well at the river this morning. Jesus is moving in this place today. God is beginning a work here that is changing lives, touching hearts, and saving souls. I'm not sure that you heard me just a minute ago when I said Jesus is in the house today. I'm telling you when Jesus is in the house there's a lot of things that he brings with him into this place this morning when Jesus is in the house there's healing in the house today when Jesus is in the house there's deliverance in the house when Jesus is in the house there's freedom there's hope there's joy there's peace there's my everything is in the house with him somebody tell me this morning that you heard me when I said Jesus is in this place And He's come to bring some things for you. There's an encounter waiting for you this morning. He is the reason that we're here. 
He is the reason that we're doing what we're doing. It's all because of Jesus and He is in this place. When Jesus is in the house, we come with an expectation to meet with Him and to see things change in our lives. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I I want you to come each and every week with this desire and this expectation that I don't know what kind of week you've had and it doesn't really matter what kind of week I've had because everything's about to change because it's Sunday morning and God's going to be in that place and God's going to intersect His goodness with my mess and it's going to change everything. When Jesus is in the house, we come with that expectation to meet with Him and see things begin to change. I want us to do that each and every week. When we walk through those doors, Jesus is in this room and He's here to do a work in my life and in your life and in my situation and your situation. Verse 2 goes on to read, Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And He preached the Word to them. When people Listen, when people get excited about what God is doing, it always draws a crowd. When, when people get excited about what God's doing, a crowd always gathers. When there's fire, everybody loads up in their truck and runs to see where that fire is, right? So God give us some fresh fire in this place. Draw a crowd in this room, Lord. As we lift you up, you said you draw men to yourself. People are excited about what God's doing and what He is saying. What do they do? When people are excited about what God's doing and how God's moving and what God's speaking, what do people do? They tell their neighbor, they tell their friends, they tell their family. Jesus has come into Capernaum. He doesn't have to send out a bulletin. He doesn't have to send out Facebook messages. He doesn't have to uh, send billboards across town. All he has to do is be Jesus in the place. And when a, first, when a person hears that Jesus is coming to the house, what do they do? They go tell their friend. They go tell their neighbor. Then their friend goes tells their friend. And they go tell their neighbor. And before long, you got a crowd. Why? Because everybody wants to be where Jesus is at. He said when he is high and lifted up, he'll draw people to himself. Let's not keep Jesus a secret. Don't keep Jesus a secret. God is moving. God is speaking. So tell somebody about it. Tell somebody about it. Invite somebody to be with you. If you love them, you'll tell them. Amen. Jesus is in the house here. Now tell somebody about it and let them come and experience his goodness too. Verse 3 says, Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. The second point I want to make to you this morning is we have to press through to get a breakthrough. We, we got to press through to get a breakthrough. I love the poetic way that the King James Version says it in verse 4. It says, when they could not come nigh unto him for the press. you got to like that. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press. Have you ever had a time in your life when you were trying to get to Jesus but just couldn't seem to get there? I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm going, I'm being faithful, I'm doing everything that God has asked me to do in His Word, and for whatever reason, there seems to be a wall between me and Him, and I just can't seem to get there. I'm on the struggle bus. 
I'm trying to get there, but I cannot get there in any way, shape, or form. Sometimes, listen church, you just can't get there by yourself. Sometimes you just can't get to Him by yourself. You need other people in your life who are going to help you in the press to get to where you need to be. When you can't come nigh unto Jesus because of the press, you need somebody to come alongside you and help you to press into the press and get the breakthrough that you need. Breakthrough for the Christian often requires the partnership of the church. Because without the push, we're not going to make it. Are you listening to me this morning? It often requires the partnership of other believers for me to get the breakthrough I need because I don't have the strength in myself to get the push I need to get over the top of this hurdle, to get over the top of this wall, to get past this barrier that stands in front of me. I need some help. We just came out of football season. And we have seen this over and over and over again down on the goal line. When we are so close to punching it in, oftentimes those backs can't get through that by themselves. They'll get to the line and they will hit an in in unbelievable amount of resistance and pressure. I mean, you think about it. you got a 220-pound back going against about five guys that weigh 300 plus. He don't have the strength and the power within himself to get it. But what you see happen over and over again is when he comes to that goal line and he can't press in, what he has happened over and over again is other 300-pound linemen come in behind him and they start to push him and they start to press against the press. And before line, they push him right over the goal line. He made the touchdown. He gets the credit. But I'm telling you this morning, he would not have broke the line without somebody pushing him past the goal. We're not strong enough alone. We're not man enough or woman enough alone. But together, we can push that ball across the goal line and get the breakthrough we need. When you can't come nigh because of the press, that's when you've got to have a little push. And there's no better person, no better place to get a push than the church. A reality of human nature is that we need someone to push us. I wish it was not the case. I wish that I could just make a decision in my mind and that was good enough to get me to the goal. But the truth is that oftentimes we need someone to push us, to encourage us, to spur us along, and to get us to where we want to go. We need people who won't let us quit until we get the breakthrough we need. Because when you get pressed enough, there's not a man or woman alive that doesn't say this is uncomfortable. This is not pleasant at all. This is no fun at all. I wish that I would go the other direction. I don't know if I want to be a running back right now. I don't know if I want to score a touchdown today. I don't know because we need somebody that says, oh yes, that's who you are. That's who you're created to be. And I'm not going to let you back away from what God has for you. We're going to push you and get you over that line. Just like in our story, we need people to come alongside us and lift us up when we have no strength to walk. This man's paralyzed. He has no ability in him of himself to get to where he needs to go. And I love that the four men in our story don't let the situation stop them from getting to Jesus. 
Because they have a friend who needs a moment with Jesus. And they are going to do whatever it takes to get him to that moment. For the friend, they will fight. For the friend, they'll intercede. For the friend, they're going to tear the roof off the building if necessary. Everybody needs some friends like these four friends. We need some people in our lives who will do what it takes on our behalf. Some people who will fight for us. Some people who will stand with us and maybe stand for us when we can't stand on our own. Carry us if needed, but be there for us no matter what. Who is there for you? Let me ask you this morning. Who's there for you? Who's there for you? Let me ask a better question. Who are you there for? Because it's easy for me to get into a place where I feel like nobody's for me, nobody's helping me, nobody's on my side, nobody's being my partner, nobody, nobody, nobody. But the better question is, who am I there for? Because I believe this, that what you sow, you also reap. And when you sow into other people's lives, what you reap is their, their investment into your own life. You reap their strength in your own life. You reap their support in your own life. We want the river to be a place that fights for you. That helps you press through for the breakthroughs you need in life. And I believe that in this room, there are people right now who need God to change some things. There are people in this room right now, in this place, who can't get there by themselves. But the good news is today, you don't have to. Because in this room also, is there are people that if you allow them to be a part of your life, they can lift you above your limitations into a place that gets you access to a God who can fix it all. Notice in our story in Mark 2, And four, it says, so when they had broken through. When they had broken through. Who broke through? They did. Not the man needing the miracle. His friends broke through for him. It's his friends that broke through for him. You are the key to somebody's breakthrough today. You are the key to somebody's breakthrough in this room this morning. You are the key to the answer to their prayer, and you are the difference maker in their lives. Who is? You are. You are. We have the power. We have the anointing. We have the giftedness, the strength, and the faith to get someone the victory that they are praying for. Only about four of you believe what I just told you. So that makes me have to come down here where I can get face to face with y'all. I'm telling you, in this place, you have the key to somebody's victory in their lives. There is somebody that is waiting on you to pray for them. There is somebody that is waiting on you to encourage them. There is somebody that is waiting on you to make a difference in their life and in their moment right now. And I'm just telling you, I believe this, that if you don't do it, it may not get done. Our hope is that somebody else will pick up your slack. But I believe this, that if we'll all pick up our own slack, my goodness, what can God do in a place of people who truly love one another to wade out into the mess of their lives and say, I'm with you in this. I'm going to help roll the boat for you when you can't row anymore. I'm going to pick you up and I'll tear the roof off of this place if that's what it takes to get you to the victory that you need. All right, I picked up some people along the way there. Thank God. Y'all about to kill me this morning. 
You have the power. You have the anointing. You have the giftedness and the strength and the faith that's going to be needed to get somebody to the victory that they are praying for. So turn to your neighbor right now and tell them, man, you look anointed today. You do. I'm telling you, you do. You, you got the anointing of God on your life. You got the strength of God in your life. You got faith to move mountains working in your life today. It's not just you pressing in for a breakthrough in your life. It is us together pressing through for the breakthroughs in our lives. Don't keep a need to yourself. I believe in the gift of discernment, which means that I'm able to discern or figure out things that are going on that have not been communicated to me. I believe that. But I'm telling you, it's tough to discern what you're going through in your life if you never tell me. It's really hard to figure out when you have this going on and that going on if no one ever communicates to me. There is an expectation oftentimes for me that I'm just supposed to know by omniscience what's happening in your life. And the truth is, you may even tell me here in this service, but do you realize that in this service i got about 900 things happening at once? And you may tell me something, and I have every intention of hearing that, but I don't hear it. I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to be involved in however you need us to be involved. And so I need your help. Help me help you. Help me help you today. That's why, that's why, one of the reasons, one of the big reasons we do the connection card each and every week is so I can have a written note that says, this is going on in my life, Pastor. I'd like for you to pray about it. I'd like for you to be there. I'd like for you to give me a call. I'd like to talk to you about it. And we try to do our best to make sure that we are paying attention to that. But listen, if I don't, it's not because I don't love you. If somebody doesn't, it's not because they don't care about you. How many of you have ever been busy and you just let something slip your mind that was supposed to be important? Newsflash this morning, I am human too. And I am... Don't say it. Don't say amen. I, I am fatally flawed in many ways. But I'm doing my best. And so help me help you. And let's just, let's just live in grace a little bit. I'll talk about that in a minute. But let's just live in grace with one another a little bit and let's help each other get to where we want to go. Bring, listen, don't keep it to yourself. Bring people in the fight with you and let them help you in the presence of God. Help them put you in the presence of God. We together, we together must press through for the breakthroughs we need. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Listen, I want to just tag on to that last point and just say this also. Your faith makes a difference in people's lives. It makes a huge difference in people's lives. It's your faith that is making a difference in people's lives. This paralytic didn't have the strength, the wherewithal, and maybe not even the faith to get himself to Jesus. But thank God for four friends who did Because Scripture says when he sought their faith, he said to the paralytic, man, your friends are on fire. Your friends are doing what it takes. And because of their faith, I'm telling you, your sins are forgiven. 
Things are going to be different for you now. It's your faith. It's your faith that's making a difference in people's lives. It's, it's your giving that makes a difference in people's lives. It's not just about passing the offering basket, but it's about actually taking what's received and doing something that advances and matters in the kingdom of God. We have, we have lots and lots of people that have given their lives to Jesus Christ this year. 53 in this service, but 2,409 that we've tracked through missions. And that's just not even, that's just one area of missions. That, that doesn't even touch the other areas of missions. Your giving is making a difference in people's lives. It's not just about the, the, the building payment. It's not just about the electric bill. It's not just about replacing a chair or two or replacing lights on the parking lot. Thank God. But it's about souls. And ultimately it translates into souls. And so your giving is making a difference. Your kindness is making a difference. Your acceptance is making a difference. Your love is making a difference. We're better together. We're better together. Your faith is the key to someone's miracle. And someone's faith is the key to your miracle. This man's life doesn't change without a community of believers who believe his life can change. I'll say it again. This man's life doesn't change without a community of believers who believe his life can change. Our lives stay stuck in a rut with little to no traction without a community of believers. Because everybody, everyone needs someone to believe in them and to believe for them. Don't forsake the community. Don't neglect the community. Don't live an isolated life when life only works right in community. People that argue otherwise, that a church is not necessary for their well-being and their advancement, are letting hurt make decisions for them. They're letting... Bad, has there been bad experiences? Yep. It's called people. And you can't be around a group of people without having some bad experiences. Somebody give me a witness. Send around, amen. <laughs> I want you to think about this. People that argue and contend that they don't need a community, a spiritual community, are usually unhappy, disappointed with their current status, or mentally or socially unadjusted. I'm not trying to be ugly there. They are struggling and sometimes don't even realize that they're struggling. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. There is no such thing as a well-adjusted hermit. Right? There's no, there's no such thing. There, there's never been an isolated person found on an island that was mentally okay. I mean, they've been struggling. Why? Because they have lived outside of community so long that they've become unadjusted. That's not being critical, and that's not being mean. That's just telling you the truth. We need each other. God created us that way. And to deny that is to give place to the enemy. And these are the lies that the enemy tries to get us to believe, that I'm better off by myself than I am trusting people. It's not true. I know that people hurt you, and I know that people have mis 
led you and, and lied to you and, and hurt you in some ways or the other. But you've got to get over that and move past that because we can't live our lives believing that everybody that comes into our lives is out to get us. Most people are for you, not against you. We also believe this lie sometimes that the enemy tries to tell us that I'm fine by myself. I don't need anybody. I'm okay. Here's another one. All I need is my immediate family. Listen, listen, if you watch Alaskan bush people, you know that's not true. <laughs> right? That's some people that are in desperate need of some diversity. Right? I mean, that's people that need a neighbor. They need a friend. They need somebody to give them a different perspective. Everybody needs diversity. And diversity is supplied through community. Try some new flavors. And see if you don't find something that is good. I like cherry snow cones. That's it. When I go to the snow cone place, I get cherry snow cones. That's it. I don't know what's waiting for me out there. Because I ain't never tried a different flavor. And about, you know, April's always trying something new. So she has the spice in my life. And so over the years, I have learned to kind of step out a little bit. And what I have discovered is that when I try something new, guess what? A lot of times I like it. There's a whole new world that has opened up to us. And so here's what we go through, is we never try anything new because we are so afraid we won't like it that we never stop to consider we may love it and a whole new world of possibilities might just open up to us. There may be a whole brand new fantastic point of view waiting for me. So take a chance. Take a risk. Open your heart to the community. And what you might find is that when you're laid up with nowhere to go and no hope for change, that it's the community that carries you to victory. Your faith makes a difference in people's lives, so invest your faith in some people. And let some people invest their faith in you. Verse 5 says, When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Let me just say this about that verse. The first work is always salvation. That it all starts with salvation and flows from that point. It's the beginning. It's the entrance into everything that heaven has to offer. It's a seat at the Son's table where we sit as heirs with Christ Jesus. And Jesus' primary purpose in everything He does is salvation first and foremost. And so here, this makes it easy for us as Christians that if we can't trace it back to souls being saved, then it's gotten off track. Because everything God does ultimately begins and can be traced back to that purpose and that position. That it's about souls in the kingdom. And then everything He does flows from there. The Holy Spirit is given. The gifts of tongues are given. The gifts of the Spirit are given. Why? Because the purpose is always the same. It all is traced back to we're getting people saved. We're seeing the lost come to Christ. Is there other benefits of that? Of course. But it all begins and ends with salvation. The man has dropped through the roof. The faith of his friends has brought him to an encounter with Jesus. And the first thing Jesus says to the man is, Son, your sins are forgiven. Then what happens? Verse 6. Some of the scribes 
and Pharisees, we'll see in Luke, were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? I love this about Jesus, that Jesus always did Jesus wherever he went. Jesus didn't do anybody else, he just did Jesus. I mean, he was Jesus everywhere. And he never was anything but Jesus. He never let his critics define his purpose. He always did what he was sent to do and he was always about the Father's business. Even though he didn't let the critics define his purpose, that didn't mean they didn't keep trying to. And so what I'm trying to say to you this morning is you got to be you. And you got to do you. And you can't let the critics of your life define your purpose. God is the only one that has permission and has the right and has the knowledge to define who you are, what you are, and what you should be doing. And you can't let people, there are always going to be people trying to tell you what you should be, how you should act, where you should go, and what you should do. But it is Jesus who has the right to do that. Here we have Jesus, perfect, powerful, performing miracles and proving day after day that God is with him, yet he is still criticized. I'm just thinking that if Jesus was perfect and was still criticized concerning following God, don't you think that you and I are going to face a lot of criticism for doing the same? I promise you, you will. And so the next point is this. Don't let criticism hold you captive. Don't let criticism hold you captive. Jesus didn't and we can't either. When we serve God and try to follow His plan for our lives, there is always going to be people who have something to say about it. I've been in ministry for 20 plus years and I have constantly had people try to tell me what I should be doing and how I should be doing it. That's not bad to take advice. And it's good to have godly counsel. And we all need to have people that we let speak into our lives. But there's a difference between speaking into my life and trying to redefine who I am. And we got to know who we are in Christ. And that is why we have to find people who believe in the purpose of God in us. People who will believe in you, support you, and invest their faith in you, and press through with you through circumstances. There is always going to be people telling you what you can't do. And we all need people in our lives that can tell us what we can do. I don't need somebody telling me no all the time. I need somebody telling me how we can. Amen. The church is the place to find the right people to help you aim for and accomplish the right things. People who say and believe you can. And listen, there's always going to be haters. And what do haters do? Haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. That's what they're going to do. But we believe in the power of yes... Right? God's not telling me no. He's just telling me there's a different kind of yes for you. And He's trying to get you to your best yes. We also believe in the power of yes and the power of yet. That even though I'm not there yet, that I'm going to get there. That God is taking me from where I am to where He's trying to get me to. And even though today it doesn't look like I've arrived, I'm just not, it's not that I'm not there. It's just that I'm not there yet. We're not there yet. But we're getting there. We're not going to let criticism hold us captive. We're, not, we're going to step toward everything God has put in our hearts to do. And together we can accomplish it. But immediately, verse 8, When Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they had reasoned thus within themselves, He said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? 
You know what Jesus was saying there? He was saying to the scribes and the Pharisees, check your heart. Check your heart. John Christ, how many of you know who I'm talking about? Christian comedian, he's pretty funny. He's always saying this phrase, check your heart. Because we need to check our heart. Notice this. Notice who it was that was criticizing Jesus. It wasn't the heathen Roman soldiers. It wasn't the lost people in the house. We know from Luke it was the scribes and the Pharisees. Who is that? That is the people of the church criticizing Jesus. All right, y'all got a minute? I'm going to do a confession right now of my own heart. April's going to video it. <clears throat> last, last week after service, we went to eat at Chili's. Food was great. Finally got our, I mean, service was not great. I'll just say that. It was bad. And uh, things like that really, incompetence really does irritate me. Not, not that I'm not able to make mistakes or I'm incompetent in some areas because I certainly am. But, but this guy was struggling. I mean, it was just terrible. And, and I mean, we were out of drinks. I mean, and then the, 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 the pinnacle of this failure was at the end when the checks came out. There's like eight or nine of us there, and I know that can be complicated, but we told them in the beginning who was on what checks and then gave our orders in an orderly fashion. So it shouldn't have been that difficult. We get our checks, ours is all wrong. Everybody at the tables is all wrong. I'm getting frustrated. So I say, no, this isn't right, uh, you know, kindly the first time. This isn't right. We need to get this taken care of, blah, blah, blah. He goes back, comes back a second time, still not right. So I said, okay, I'm going to write on the back of mine exactly what we had, and then all you got to do is go put it in, and then you can bring me my right check. I mean, I did his job for him. I wrote it down. I write it down. He takes it, comes back a third time, still not right. So I've lost my Jesus somewhere between <laughs> check one and check two. And now we're at the third check. And April the whole time is patting me on. This is her way. She, she's always patting me on the leg. Like, this is, calm down. You know, you're a preacher. You need to remember, you need to remember that you're representing Jesus. And more than that, you're representing me. And, and I need you to act, act nice. But sometimes I don't want to hear that from her. And I just want to take care of business. And I was in a business taking care of mood. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. How He's not listening. He's not doing his job. All he's got to do is pay attention. We're trying. But here's what I'm trying to get to this morning. Is I don't know what that guy was going through. I don't have any idea. And you know what? I didn't even take time to consider it. Because all I cared about was what little piddly thing I was going through. I don't know if the guy got evicted that morning out of his house. And he is in a frazzled state of mind because he just don't even know what he's going to do after work. I don't know if they served him notice because we were the sixth person he messed up their check. And it was not going to go well for him at the end of the day. I don't know if he had something going on with his mom and dad. I don't know if he had something going on in his relationships. I don't know if he had gotten a bad doctor's report. I don't have any idea what the guy's going on. And you know what else? I didn't even take time to try to figure it out. And so my point is this. Maybe instead of giving him grief, I should have gave him some grace. Maybe instead of giving people grief because they aren't doing it our way, 
or doing it the way we should think they should be doing it. Maybe we should give them a little grace instead. Before we get critical with each other, maybe we should be patient, kind, loving, gentle, peaceful, faithful, joyful, good, self-controlled with one another because that's the gifts of the Spirit. I think the only thing I gave that guy was a gift of the flesh and the gift of grief. I'm just being honest with you this morning. We can't be both critical and beneficial at the same time. Let me say it a different way. You, you can be critical or beneficial, but you can't be both. And our job is to be beneficial. Are you for or against? Are you a disciple of Jesus or a distraction from Jesus? John 13, 35, and I'm using my own failure to preach the point. Because we all got to do better. Myself and starts with me. John 13, 35, by this we all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's check our heart for one another. And the easiest check of our heart is found in the scripture that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are we saying about one another? To one another, whatever we're saying about one another is a good indication of our heart condition. Blake, would you come? We all need a little heart check from time to time, so check your heart. Verse 9 says, Which is easier to say the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or rise and take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Jesus says, just to prove that salvation is the first work, I'm going to heal him too. Just to dispense with doubts, go ahead, get up and walk and show everybody. Then verse 12 says, Immediately he rose, took up his bed, went out of the presence of them all. His community was the key to his encounter with God. It goes on to say, So that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We would love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burgrenette, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself